On today's episode, we are looking at the NBA 2020 free agency class, focusing on the center position. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, we are wrapping up our free agency series by looking at the center position. Yes, a bunch of centers were covered in the PowerFord show I did a couple of days ago. But as I said, I had to draw a line somewhere and using the position designations, despite how wrong they are, on Spotrack is the way that I, I did do that. So let's talk about these centers that are, are coming up for free agency in this 2020 class, which will uh, which will begin in October, allegedly, at, the, at this point. And the first guy on this list is a guy where we had, did have some news come out today, and that is Andre Drummond. And it does appear that he is going to exercise his player option. So he won't actually be a part of free agency. He's uh, He made $25 million this season. He does have that player option. But let's just have a quick chat about Drummo anyway to talk about where he sits. Um, 18 points and 15 rebounds. Drummond averaged this season. But of course, it was a stark difference when he was a member of the Detroit Pistons versus when he was in Cleveland. Of course, Detroit gave him away for absolutely nothing because they didn't want to be on the hook for his uh, player option here, assuming he was picking it up, which is exactly what he seems to be doing. Uh, Cleveland didn't give much away. that They thought you would get him in there. But I don't think that they enjoyed what they saw. He played just 28 minutes a game for Cleveland. He still averaged 17 points, but only 11 rebounds. Now, some of that is due to the five fuel minutes, but that's not the entire reason why those rebounding numbers were down. His per 36 rebound numbers went from 17 down to 14, and playing alongside uh, Kevin Love yeah, can have an impact on that. We also saw his assist rate drop down to the lowest number it had been since uh, the 18th, or sorry, since um, yeah, he, he had that full season with Blake Griffin, which was uh, at 1.5 back then. He was at 2.2 in Cleveland, and sharing with guys like Larry Nance and Kevin Love, who are, are pretty strong passers, had an impact on him there. His steal rate and block rate was still pretty okay in uh, in Cleveland, but free throws dropped down to, yeah, back almost to the old days, 51% from the line. So there are legitimate concerns. Um, We're going to talk about another Cleveland center later on in this show. But where Drummond fits on this team next season is going to be really intriguing. Love and Nance are still there and played some pretty good basketball at times this season. And it just appeared that Drummond was not only disinterested, but the Cavs were disinterested in him playing big roles for them during his time there. So he is uh, a really intriguing option and looks like he's going to be back there next season. The next guy we talk about is Hassan Whiteside. The White! Whiteside was fantastic for fantasy this season. He played 31 minutes a night, averaged 16 and 14, and was the 15th ranked player. He blocked over three shots per game. He shot 62% from the field. It was only 68% from the line, but it wasn't that much of a killer there. Of course, he never passes. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't hit threes. But huge on rebounds, massive on blocks, great field goal percentage. That is what Hassan Whiteside does. 
Unfortunately, what else he does doesn't always translate into winning basketball. And we were probably likely going to see some sort of a drop-off from Whiteside before the season got suspended because Yusuf Nurkic was returning. And now, of course, Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins are most likely both going to be back for the Trailblazers when the uh, NBA alleged regular season begins in Orlando, the eight games. So what we're going to see from Whiteside in that time, it's going to be quite intriguing. Um, I, I don't know exactly how they're going to run things. I would imagine that Nurkic isn't coming in and playing his usual minutes and playing you know, 26, 27 minutes. We'll probably still see Whiteside, but instead of the 31 minutes a night, Whiteside's uh, probably going to come down into mid-20s. Now, I can shit on Whiteside as much as I want because, hey, this is what I do. But he was better this season. There's no doubt he was an improved player, and his PIPM numbers are really, really good. He led this team in PIPM, ahead of Dame, ahead of CJ, plus 3.79. A big defensive number, plus 2.31. Barely pipped out by Damian Lillard in terms of wins added numbers. Yeah, some really strong stuff. Plus eight on off, best on the team, excluding the uh, yeah, plus 14 that Zach Collins had in his minimal minutes, which again was very, very minimal. So Whiteside, by those measures of advanced numbers, was you know, the most impactful player on this team. Now, I don't necessarily think that's the case, and he is, amazingly, 31 years of age. He made almost $25 million this season, and he's not going to get anywhere near that level of contract. But... He did show he's got a little bit left in the tank, but at age 31, given some of his off-court issues and you know, on-court issues in the past, who wants to get Hassan Whiteside to be their starting center? I think at best you look at him to be a platoon-type player, a guy that you throw in there with somebody else. Of course, that's what platoon means, uh, and get him to play those 25 to 26 minutes. And if Nurkic was healthy this season, there's no way he would have been playing 31. He was always a stopgap option. Now, they do have bird rights on Whiteside, but they're not going to want to pay anywhere near that amount that he paid, was paid for this season on the last year of that deal that he signed with the Miami Heat. So his, his free agency, his upcoming free agency, is really intriguing. I think he obviously has a high opinion of himself, as all NBA players do, and I'm not shitting on him for that in the slightest. But teams around the league aren't just going to be paying that amount of money to get Hassan Whiteside in. And the opportunities for him, the teams around where he might fit, yeah, I don't really see great opportunities for him to come in as a starter, to, to be... I think he's more likely to fit in as a backup. Could you see him being a, a backup to replace, say, Mason Plumley in Denver? Maybe. Maybe that's an option, but it would have to be on a significantly uh, smaller contract. We're talking a lot of mid-level exception type stuff, I think, for Hassan Whiteside when free agency resumes. But how he goes and what Portland does with that center position in Orlando will be at least somewhat illustrative. It won't be fully illustrative because we don't know where Nurkic is or Collins is, but you, know, you could make the argument that Whiteside is third in line there. Although, yeah, we've got Collins playing power forward, which is absolutely 100% not his position. We all have, well not all of us, most of us, me included, have struggled with our weight during the uh, quarantine uh, due to COVID-19. But if you want to get back exercising, get your fitness back up, you need protein. And Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you can find. Covered in 100% chocolate, 16 amazing flavors. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. High protein, low sugar. It's almost too good to be true, but it is true because I've seen it and it's fantastic. Tastes unbelievable. You get the mint brownie. Built Bar Protein Bar, 15 grams of protein, just 110 calories. That is a very, very small amount. Only four grams of sugar 
And right now, if you go to builtbar.com, you can use the promo code locked on and you'll also save $10 off your first order. 10 bucks off an order, a box of bars, 18 bars is like $37. You save $10 off that by going to builtbar.com and using that promo code locked on. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on and save $10 off your first purchase. We all need to get information. We need to improve ourselves and that's how you become successful. And a great way of doing that when you don't have four or five hours to spend to read a nonfiction book is with Blinkist. What Blinkist does is it takes nonfiction books and gets the key takeaway points and brings them down, condenses them, really, really concentrates them down into 15 minutes, whether that's 15 minutes of listening to an audio clip or 15 minutes of reading. You get all of the key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books in just 15 minutes. Books like... Becoming by Michelle Obama, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. With Blinkist, you get an unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books. All the books you want, all for one low price and right now for a limited time. Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. The next guy here on our list of center free agents, we're looking at Tristan Thompson. I talked about another Cavs center This is him. He made $16.5 million. He's 29 years of age. He's an unrestricted free agent. Thompson, uh, I thought, had a much better season than he has in the past, but that did start to drop off. He started out the year really on fire. He was blocking shots at rates that we hadn't seen. His percentages were up. His usage was up, but it did drop off. And overall, he was the 135th ranked player in fantasy. He averaged 12 and 10 in 30 minutes under a block a game, 51 and 62 with Andre Drummond opting in, we know how much that uh, we know how much that Thompson has meant to this Cavs franchise. But with Love there, with Nance there, with Drummond now there as well, unless they're trading one or two of those guys, I just don't see how a competent franchise run by a competent owner could commit. Oh, sorry, oh, it's Dan Gilbert. So who knows what's going to go on? But they are they are they would be derelict in their duties, I think, to bring Thompson back. Uh, at anywhere near close to that price, or even at all. His PIPM was uh, rough, to say the least, negative 2.38. But in good news, that was better than Colin Sexton, Chetty Osman, and Darius Garland, the three highest minutes players on this team. Um, it was significantly worse than Larry Nance. Uh, and then again, Drummond is going to be there. So I don't really know, you know where Thompson fits with his squad. His negative 5.8 was a team worst outside of the negative 6.5 that Drummond had in his limited amount of minutes. So for the regulars, he was an absolute worst there. So despite you know, improvements in his performance, still things did not go well. And I think Thompson's going to find it hard to find any sort of deal that's close to eight figures. I think we're looking at single-digit per-year numbers for Thompson, who can't shoot, who doesn't protect the rim all that well, who is, again, 29 years of age. He probably can get a two- or three-year deal, but maybe it's $15, $16 million over those three years. I think that's probably the most likely explanation or um, scenario for where Tomo will sit. Um, And you almost guarantee that his 12-team fantasy value, even though it wasn't really there long-term this season, is cooked from here on out. So Tristan Thompson... Um, a player who I think is on the on the decline, and we're not. And there's so many of these centers that were paid shit tons of money this season that are not going to see anywhere near that amount. 
that much. That's why Drummond picked up his option. Thompson won't. Whiteside won't. And a bunch of these guys we're going to talk about coming up, they also will not see that same level of money or even sniff coming close to that same level of money that they were paid in the 1920 season. And that's not even including the potential salary cap crunch that could be coming due to COVID-19. The next guy on this list. Oh, hi, Mark. Mark Gasol made $22.6 million. He is 35 years of age. Now, he won't make that level of money. We talked uh, last time on a free agency podcast that Serge Ibaka is also out of contract. Will the Raptors bring both of those guys back? I find that pretty hard to believe that unless they're coming at significant discounts. In fact, um, I just I just don't see how that's happening. Now, Gasol only played 36 games. He looks ridiculously skinny in current photos. He averaged eight points. He shot 42%. He shot just 44% on twos. Remarkably, he shot 41, sorry, 40 exactly percent on his three-pointers, which was great. But under a blocker game, uh, only 72 from the line. The three and a half assists were nice, but usage just in the toilet, under 13%. Didn't even look to take shots. Couldn't convert twos. Was passing a lot. And look, he was he was good this season. He played well, but the numbers have declined significantly. He is, I believe, a significantly better player than Serge Barker. If they're looking to bring one of these guys back, it should be Gasol versus Serge. But he is also you know, significantly older than where uh, than where Serge sits. Gasol was third on this team in PIPM, comfortably led in defensive numbers at, at plus 2.6, which is a huge, huge number. And it was a 5.8 in on-off, whereas a Barker's a minus 1.9. And that would tie in with what we've seen eye test-wise. You're just watching these guys play. You can um, you see that Gasol is super important, but he just isn't getting, I, I don't believe, that level of contract. I think the Raptors will look to bring him back. And they won't look to bring Surge back. Maybe it'll be like a, a two-year, fifteen, two-year, twenty, maybe two-year, twenty million dollars for Gasol. I would imagine with a with probably a, a player or some sort of option that they would like a team option or maybe a, a partial guarantee on that second year for Gasol. And I think he will return to Toronto on that deal. But he is uh, still at that age, a guy that a contending team can play, pay sixteen million dollars for one year and go come out there, play twenty-five minutes, and be really, really good. Actually, he would be an awesome fit uh, playing uh, behind Nikola Jokic as a backup in Denver. I know I keep saying that, but he would uh, he would look pretty strong there. And I think whatever team he goes to for at least one more year, he will probably make them better. But um, yeah, thirty five years of age, we uh, we we have to think that um, yeah, more of a decline is probably coming. And the low usage, horrible, horrible uh, finishing and two point shooting numbers for Gasol are absolutely a concern. He was the 119th player in fantasy this year, mainly because he had okay blocks and okay assists, but definitely not exciting. And I think his 12-team usefulness is probably done. I don't really see where he goes and or what scenario where he's playing 30 minutes a game again. You know, Ibaka could go. And in Toronto, maybe they do play him 30, 31 minutes. But I think that would be pretty derelict in terms of preservation for him for playoff runs. He had significant injuries this season that caused him to miss 20-plus games. So there are some obvious concerns there with Marcus Sol and injuries. This bloke was great this season, and it is the big fella. Aaron Bainesy Baines only made 5.3 million, but like so many of these guys, he's super old. 
He's 33 years of age. He was ridiculously good for Phoenix. He outplayed uh, DeAndre Ayton at times. He was the 189th player in fantasy. He averaged 12 and 6. He was bombing threes, 35% on four attempts per game in 22 minutes. So now he's a high-volume three-point shooter. He finished pretty well for two-pointers. But otherwise, the numbers aren't as great as I think the early season hype around Baines would lead us to believe. He did shoot really, really well. And he was a key, key figure for Phoenix when um, Aiton was out. But overall, those numbers aren't fantastic. Defensively, he had issues. He was a negative in PIPM, which I think would surprise people. His on-off is worse than Aiton's, is worse than Bridges, is worse than Rubio's, is worse than Booker's. It's still a positive, a plus 2.6. Um, and he was clearly the better option over someone like Frank Kaminsky, who was uh, you know, pretty dreadful as usual. But Baines is, again, at this age, is realistically a backup center who can start for you in a pinch. Maybe he goes to Toronto and takes that role and splits those minutes with Marcus Gasol. He is going to be in demand as a very, very good floor-spacing, tough-ass, screen-setting center. But I think if you have to push him into 30 minutes a night, which Phoenix did at one point. They had to push him into those into those numbers. And he was okay in that and, and really did you know, shoulder a, uh, a large load. Push the button. Giggity! Um, but is that... You, do you want to pay money for that on your team? Do you want that? Well, here's Aaron Baines. He's our 30-minute-a-night starting center. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't want that to be the case. In his five games that he played over 30 minutes this year, he averaged 19 and 7. Like They are really good numbers. He had a 23% usage. He shot 45% on threes. He still only blocked a shot per game, though. He you know, averaged two assists, so he's not a great facilitator. But 43-point attempts in those high-minute games, in five games. Eight a game. And hit them at 45%. He was a lethal shooter. It, it did drop off a bit as the season went on. So again, I think some of the early season production from Baines was skewing things. Him starting alongside DeAndre Ayton was terrible from Monty Williams. And I don't think that'll happen again. I don't think many other teams will look to do that and start two centers with Baines as one of them. But he did actually, and he played himself into a probably a two-year deal at decent enough money. Maybe that 5.3 million, maybe he goes a little bit more. And I think as a backup center, he fits on nearly all teams. And this is, again, part of the reason why you know, I talk about this in my rookie draft videos and mock drafts is you know, spending up for a center, oh, there are just so, or you're know, going up to, unless it's an elite prospect, unless it's Jokic, Embiid, or Jokic wasn't even an elite prospect. He's elite now. Embiid or Towns or one of those high-level centers, Jaron Jackson even, I, I think... But then you have it in that draft, Aiton and Bagley, and Aiton's pretty good. Like, is he was he worth that sort of draft capital? And this is a, sort of what I'm getting with the Congo and Wiseman. Like, where, where do they sit? Is you can find guys like Baines, you can find a Barker, you can find Gasol, you can find these players to come in and fill 22, 23 minutes, and you don't need a star necessarily at that position, but you need people who can come in and, and do the do the dirty work sort of stuff to help open things up for your other stars. And that's why there is value in someone like Baines. You don't have to pay him a huge amount because there's going to be quite a few of these guys around. And you also don't have to invest huge amounts of draft capital in players who might end up developing into someone like an Aaron Baines. And that's what not what I think is, is a great option. Of course, there are you know, others it, it, you can look at. You can look at Bam Adebayo as someone who you know really, really good as a center, although he's probably playing more power forward at this point. But the center market is, is, uh, is quite a weird one. And again, considering a lot of the guys that I talked about in the power forward, show yes yesterday the day before were um are actually centers in today's nba if you are looking 
to get your center product for your car. Horrible segue, but great product. RockAuto.com. You can go into your local auto store, tell them the part you need, and odds are, with so many different makes and models of cars around, they're not going to have it in stock. He's going to get on his computer, he's going to hit the buttons, type, 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 type. Yeah, that'll be three or four weeks. And you go, what's the point of this? I can sit at home, I can go to rockauto.com myself and order the product, get it. And you're probably going to save a lot of money, not only by ordering the part, but if you learn or you're already into doing fixing your car yourself, that's a great hobby and it's a great way to save money and Rock Auto is here to help you. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet. RockAuto.com is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. And when you go to RockAuto.com and they say, how do you hear about us? Just write locked on in that box so they know that you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Next up on our list of free agent centers, we're looking at Jakob Pertl. Made $3.1 million, age 24, restricted free agent. I think he's almost one of the best options on this list. Drummond's picking up that player option. Those other guys are sort of older. This is a guy I believe can be a starting center in the NBA. We're going to see, I think, a lot more Pirtle for the Spurs in Orlando because LaMarcus Aldridge is out. So theoretically, he moves in and starts. Um, I think that he can be a very impactful player. It's not necessarily always going to show up on the stat sheet because of the way he plays, but an excellent offensive rebounder, a high-efficiency finisher, a guy that can protect the rim. Um, yeah, shooting is not really there for Pirtle, but... Consistently throughout his career, advanced numbers have loved him. He led this Spurs team in PIPM by an absolute country mile, plus 2.64. The next highest was Paddy Mills at plus 1.6. He was third on this team in wins added, despite being ninth in minutes played, 3.12 behind uh, Mills and Derek White. His on-off number, plus 5.7, second only behind Paddy Mills of the guys who are regular rotation players. I'm not including Damari Carroll in that, who was at 6.5. He was really, really good. And a per 36 basis, he averaged 11 and 12. 11 points is not high. He's a low usage guy. 12 boards, 4 assists, over 3 blocks, 62% shooting. Great offensive rebounder. Averaged almost 4 offensive rebounds per 36. Now, 49% from the free throw line is pretty rough. He'd been in the 50s most seasons, but he's, he's an, in no means a good free throw shooter. But his situation, teams, if they're looking for a center who can really up what they do, he played only 17 minutes a night. He should be a 24, 25, 26 minute a night player. He's a top 100 fantasy option. And I think he moves into be like a top 20, 25 center in the league, pretty clearly. If he stays in San Antonio... They're going to go with Aldridge there at center, and it's going to limit what Pirtle can do. I think he's going. He's a real chance to change teams and be not a breakout star because his game doesn't lead itself to stardom, but being a very, very interesting player for next season. Jakob Pirtle. The next guy up here after Pirtle, we're looking at um, the you know, consistent player that we all go, oh, if only. If only, if only he played more. You know who it is. It's Nerlens Noel, who, despite playing 18 minutes a night, was the 92nd ranked player in fantasy. Why? Because he blocks a shit ton of shots. He gets a lot of steals. He also shot 69% from the field. Giggity. He's improved his free throws. He was a bad free throw shooter in Philly. He's at 77%. He averaged 8 and 5 in those uh, not, uh, 18 minutes. He had a true shooting of 71%. 
I thought he was you know, really quite good during his time with the Thunder. I think that the window of Nerlens just needs big minutes and an opportunity to be a starter and he's really going to explode is over, unfortunately. He is, uh, he is 26 years of age, so he's you know, sort of heading into his prime. But I think we've found that role for him. Plus 0.73 PIPM led that Thunder team in defensive uh, uh, efficiency, uh, plus 2.41. I thought he, he was really good there. Now, on-off was rough because, again, he was playing mainly with bunch, bench numbers, uh, bench players, minus 2.8. But the other bench guys that he played with, Ferguson, minus 5.7. Basley, minus 8.6. Uh, Abdul Nadir, minus 9.2. MC Hamadou Diallo, minus 4.2. So, Noel, yeah, really lifting those guys up. And it was the best of that bunch, pretty clearly. When Adams was out, he played well. In starts, he only started six games at average 12 and 7 with two and a half blocks on 70% shooting. Still you know, low usage, but 17% as a starter. It's low, low volume, low sample size. But when he does start, the numbers are still going to be there. I would not want to rely upon him to be a 30-minute-a-night center for my team. But he is absolutely one of the best backup centers around. He is a guy that you know. I would be if I'm looking at getting a backup center. I would prioritize him over Tristan Thompson, not over Marcus Sol, who's probably still a starter at this point. And I'd much rather have some of that upside value of Jakob Pertl. But Noel absolutely is someone the Thunder should look to bring back. Now, whether they whether he'll want to come back with just two million dollars made this season, he looks like that's the contract he's on pretty much every year, minimums as a backup. And I don't really see him getting that extended role. But he should be able to be a high level backup for the next two to three years. And maybe he gets a three four million dollar deal. I'd be pretty surprised. But again, what I talk about when you talk about centers being available, if you can get a bloke like this for two million dollars to be a backup center, like why the hell am I investing a top five pick on a guy you know like Wiseman? And again, people will disagree with me on Wiseman. He's not Noel. He does have more offensive upside. But you can find really quality players around there to fill that position and invest more capital into the harder to find spots like wings, elite wings, high usage wings, high defensive talent wings, um, yeah, point guards who can shoot. Like this sort of stuff is not easy to find. Whereas competent center play is, uh, it, or does seem to be a little bit easier. I was speaking about competent centers, and now we have to talk about Mason Plumley. Unfortunately, now that's that's a bit unfair for Mace because I think that he um, was o- overstretched at times, especially when the good doctor Michael Malone would decide to start him and uh, Jokic together or play them together. He's absolutely fine as a backup. I've never seen anyone throw down more reverse dunks in my time. I've never seen someone try and get in the way and and, uh, and try and do more than they're actually capable of doing than Plumley. But when he sort of fades away into what his role should be. I think he can be a relatively effective backup center. Now, of course, the Nuggets considerably overpaid to keep Plumlee around at almost $14 million. And amazingly, he's already 30 years of age. He did average just 7-5 and five this year with 0.6 blocks. He's never been a really high shot blocker. What he has shown in the past is an ability to be a strong passer. And each of the last two seasons, he's been at 5 assists per 36. He's a pretty strong steals guy. He's a high-efficiency field goal player who doesn't shoot threes but also can't hit free throws. We know who Mason Plumlee is at this point. He was a marginal negative in his PIPM numbers. He was a minus 3.8 on off. Again, large part of that is because of the bloke ahead of him being a huge positive, and that's Nikola Jokic. But I think Plumlee still fits in as a solid enough backup center who's not sniffing this. Like that's 13 and a, or 13 and a half, $14 million that he made this season. He'd be lucky to get a three-year deal worth that at this point. 
but he's still a quality backup center who can come in, play 16 minutes. You don't want to stretch him playing next to another big man because then your spacing gets dicked around really hardcore. But Plumlee can still be a solid enough uh, big man to look at. The next two blokes, I'm not really sure, but I wanted to include them here just to talk about the absolute foolishness of centers being paid money last season. $16 million to Jan Mahinmi. He's 33 years of age. I thought that considering the Wizards' center issues with Tom Bryant, he at least showed, huh, this is what it's like to have a center who knows something about defense because Thomas Bryant doesn't. And when Mahinmi came in, Scott Brooks went, ah, okay, so we can have a player that can defend. Because that's what he does. Offensively, he doesn't offer a huge amount, but he can come in, be your third center. Because at times they're running Ozes Possessioniks out there. Mahinmi can be a defensive option, and his defensive PIPM was a really strong number. Plus 1.545, second on this team to Isaac Bonga, who advanced staff stats always love. Mahinmi was also a plus 0.4 on off. Thomas Bryant was a negative 3.1. And that's a troubling number. But... Age 33, uh, he's you know, not getting paid the $15 million, $16 million he was paid this season. But again, probably can find a minimum deal somewhere to be your third center, be a backup center in a pinch. Could he fit you know, on, maybe he could be a third center for the Clippers. I don't hate it for his defensive uh, ability. And defensively, he, he was a really strong part of improving the Wizards, who were historically one of the worst teams of all time defensively, but when he was injured to begin the season, came back and I thought looked okay, especially for a 33-year-old. The last bloke, Bismack Biombo. He made $18 million this year, somehow more than Mahinmi, back in that wild 2016 offseason when Timofey Mozgov, Joachim Noah, all these guys were just getting contracts that made no sense at the time, continue to make no sense. Biombo made this money based on you know, two games against Cleveland in the playoffs. I think he had like a big rebound game and blocked LeBron and, and teams got both hands on their dicks and started jerking. Oh my God, look at this guy. He's going to change things around. No, he's not because he's an absolutely horrible offensive player who was significantly overrated by a couple of games in a Raptors uniform. I thought that he was okay at times. And in the end of the season, the Hornets were just rotating centers. Zala, Bill Hernan Gomez is also an unrestricted free agent and, and Biombo were coming on and off into the mix. But in terms of the advanced numbers, he had a better yeah, output than what uh, Cody Zeller did. He was better on off than uh, Cody Zeller, although the best of that trio was Bill Hernan Gomez, although his defense is horrendous in general. And he, he did play a significantly smaller chunk of minutes compared to Bismack and to, to Cody. Biombo averaged seven points with six boards and a block in those 19 minutes. He can still be a solid enough defender who you'd want his uh, second center in a pinch. For an absolute minimum contract player, he's 28 years of age. Of course, the whispers are that he's significantly older than that. But he can come in, be a defensive option, be a guy that grabs boards, and someone that you ignore 100% offensively. Um, I don't think he necessarily be back in Charlotte. PJ Washington, Cody Zeller, that's what they should be doing at center. But Biombo is going to find a spot somewhere around the NBA. And again, another solid enough backup center who'll probably find his way onto an NBA roster at some point uh, at, the en at the end of those rosters and be serviceable if he's pushed into action. That'll do it for today's show, guys. Don't forget, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Leave a comment down below. I'm still debating what I'm going to do for tomorrow's show. I think that we're going to go and do our third mock draft, mock draft 3.0. So 
Stay tuned for that one. We'll do another sim lottery and we'll see where those teams end up. We'll do another mock draft after I've uh, dived a little bit deeper into a, a bunch more prospects since the last one, which was about three weeks ago. So that's probably what we'll end up doing. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>